From WDBM, East Lansing. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. Our weekly news and storytelling program. Made by and for the students of Michigan State University. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. Undercurrent. Hello and welcome to The Undercurrent Season 10, Episode 9. I'll be your host, Cole Tunningly, and this one is about working for free. Our first story on this episode is about an MSU student who got to intern with NASA. She actually got to chill in that room where, you know, like, the rocket takes off and then all these people stand up and and clap and hug each other. She got to go there, and I think that's really cool, but I'm sure the actual science and space stuff she did is way cooler. Reporter Sophie Sagan talks to her about that experience, which I'm sure was pretty intense. Coming up after that, we have an interview with Professor Troy Hale, the director of FART, a documentary. He made this one all on his own, just on the side during his free time. A total passion project about the history and humor of farts. Yep, a whole movie about farts. Apparently, it's the first of its kind. Both of these stories are coming up next on The Undercurrent Season 10, Episode 9, Working for Free. What am I doing in an office making a contemptuous begging fool of myself when all I want is out there waiting for me the minute I say I know who I am? Get a better job, get an education, or start your own business! Are you the assistant buyer? You're one of the two assistants to the assistant, aren't you? Well, I'm practically... You're practically full of it, we all are. Doing what you want to do in life is like being on vacation every single day. Today, we have jobs. Hey, this is your host, Cole Tunningly, and you're tuned in to The Undercurrent on Impact 89 FM. If you like what you hear on this episode, you can actually find 10 whole seasons of The Undercurrent online. You can go to our website, that's impact89fm.org slash the hyphen undercurrent to listen to those episodes anytime. I'm sure there is something you'll like amongst the whole, you know, 10 season spread of the undercurrent. We've covered a wide variety of topics by now. Again, if you'd like to explore, you can go to impact89fm.org slash the hyphen undercurrent. Coming up now on the show is reporter Sophie Sagan's story. She interviewed an MSU student who got the chance to intern at NASA. Here it is. 30 meters, 20 meters, 17 meters, standing by for touchdown. So maybe you heard this video this week, or you know the story behind it. In May 2018, NASA launched the InSight Lander, a robotic probe with the goal of landing on Mars. Touchdown confirmed. They were successful. (laughs) As soon as I learned about InSight's successful landing, I knew I wanted to make a story all about it. Well, first, I wanted to text my dad, the token technology nerd in my family. I've been receiving texts and emails from him about all things NASA and Scientific American since I was 12. And for the first time, I beat him to the punch. Of course, I wasn't the only one who was excited. There seems to be a general consensus among Americans that... NASA is just awesome. I mean, they played a live stream of the control room in Times Square. When I was thinking about how to approach the story, though, I wanted to make it all about insight, just insight. 
and its technology and what it's going to do and why it's significant. In short, its job is to give Mars a thorough medical exam, using seismometers to listen to Mars quakes, thermometers burrowed deeper than we've ever gone in Mars before, and radio transmissions to understand how the planet moves on an axis. All of these things provide scientists with a better understanding of the makeup of Mars's core and how it was constructed in the first place. And in turn, that can help us understand Earth better. But then I got talking to Megan Davis, and I realized that while insight is really cool, and I mean really, 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 really cool, NASA itself has so much more going on. Megan is a senior studying astrophysics at Michigan State, and she's been looking up at the stars for as long as she can remember. Ever since I was young, I just have always wanted to understand the universe. There are so many questions about it and so many things that we don't understand. And that just always appealed to me. There's so much to learn, so much to find out about it. Um, when I was younger, I had a small telescope, and I could really only see the moon with it. And I loved that thing, and it unfortunately came apart like when I was like seven. And I was really sad about it. But for my 16th birthday, um, I didn't get a car or anything like that. I got a telescope. First time I accidentally found Saturn in it, I almost started crying because I was so excited. And I ran inside, and this was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up all of my family, and they were like, oh, my God, is something wrong? And I'm like, no, I found Saturn in my telescope. And there was always, like, little things like that. While she's at school, she works at the observatory just south of campus, and she's heavily involved in her research surrounding galactic chemical evolution. She also is the current president of the MSU Society of Physics Students. So, yeah. She's pretty impressive and super smart, and it's not surprising at all to find out that last summer she interned for NASA at the Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena. They love to call it the center of the universe um, because that's where a lot of the satellites and anything that NASA sends into space probably went through Jet Propulsion Lab at some point. Um, But that's also where all the spacecraft and satellites um, talk to NASA. At first, she was told that because she wasn't an engineer, she was never going to work for NASA. But there she was, in California, doing really groundbreaking work. After her first day nerves calmed themselves, she set in. Um, So I was working on something called um, the Starshade Project. And this is um, to help us study exoplanets. So when you look at the night sky, we see all those beautiful stars. And statistically speaking, most of them probably have their own planets, Some of them probably have their own solar systems, just like we do, going around our own sun. Um, So those are a lot of planets, a lot of things to explore. Um, And we have never really been able to explore a lot of those exoplanets before because their stars are so bright and normally planets orbit so closely to um, to their star that we just can't see them. And these star shades, all they literally do is shade a star, but they look like giant sunflowers. And they're about 32 meters in diameter, so you could fit probably three or so on a football field. So they're pretty big, give or take. Um, And they look like a giant sunflower. They get sent into space, and they work with the Space Telescope to block out distant stars so that way we can see their planets and determine how did the planet get there maybe? Um, What is it made out of? Could it have life? And I was basically trying to figure out when we send this huge flower thing up into space, How on earth are we going to be able to align that with a telescope? To me, this whole thing sounds like something out of science fiction, especially the part about potential life on other planets. I don't even know how to begin to think about that possibility. 
NASA has a legacy of great minds, including Carl Sagan and Katherine Johnson. So what was it like working with real-life NASA scientists? They are the most unique people you'll ever meet in your entire life. They are the most driven and the smartest people you ever you will ever meet in your entire life. You have a question about something, there is an expert somewhere on that campus who will answer your question for you. From the way she tells it, it seems like there was never a dull moment. Even lunch was exhilarating. Well, one of my favorite things of the entire summer was I became really good friends with a couple of interns, and we'd all go and get lunch together every day. And then we would walk over to Mission Control, which we had badge access to. Um, so we'd go up to the observation deck, and we would just watch them control all the satellites and stuff. We could watch them control the Mars rovers and everything on Mars. The National really Aeronautics cool. and Space Administration is a point of national pride, and it will continue to be. It may seem like we only hear about them when they land something on another planet, but NASA has its hands in our lives every day. The technology engineered at NASA goes beyond rockets and rovers. It's also responsible for smoke detectors, memory foam, cellular technology. But it's also built into our American spirit. I don't want to sound too cheesy, but it's something we share in our guts. NASA is proof that humans were made to test their limits. We were made not only to look forward, but to look up. Space is such an interest to so many people because it's pretty easy to go outside and look up at the night sky or even to look at the sun, which you shouldn't, should, should not stare directly at. It's so accessible. Like People can go out and see it, and a lot of innate human curiosity like revolving around that. And I think that's really cool. For Impact Student News, I'm Sophie Sagan. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Cole Tunningly, and that was reporter Sophie Sagan. This is Season 10, Episode 9 of The Undercurrent, called Working for Free. And that's what we're talking about today. The last story was about an internship. And this next one is about just the stuff you do in your free time. Professor Troy Hale teaches film and broadcast journalism here at MSU. But he also plays soccer, plays music, and oh yeah, he made a feature-length documentary about farts. I talked to him about this process, about working just for fun, and of course about farts. Here's that story. Professor Troy Hale, who teaches film and broadcast journalism at MSU, walked into the studio for our interview, and then he pulled out a whoopee cushion. He handed one to me, too, tucked inside a glossy folder. They take a lot to blow up. Yeah, I, I always struggle with that, too. There you go. That was what, a nice one. Whatever you need, man. I'm here. I'm here for you. Um, more of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is not just a random act of silliness. Professor Hale brought the whoopee cushion in because he's the director of Fart, a documentary. It was just a dumb idea that some friends came up with, and we sat around, uh, you know, the table one night, and we were just cracking up for two hours. And I was like, you know, that that might be a good story. And I said, of course, somebody had to have made this, right? I mean, there's there's no way that this is an original idea, so. I just did a little bit of research, like I normally do for any film, and I couldn't find anything out there. I found some old French, like, 1990s TV show, and that's all I could find. So I was like, you know what? This might be something. The documentary turned out to be his biggest, longest project ever. This might be misleading to you, though. I'm not trying to say that Hale is, like, some kind of fart expert. This isn't his life's work. He's been fooling around, creating stuff, and working hard for years. Uh, before that, so I, I started off as a radio DJ, actually, out of college. 
and uh, I, I got into journalism uh, when I graduated, and I was uh, I was a photojournalist for years, and I made documentary films and just anything. I, I like to be creative. I like to make stuff. I made some music before, you know. So he's done a lot. He's worn a wire on an investigative journalism team and made documentaries about some really serious topics. I did a documentary about human organ trafficking in Bangladesh. Um, I did a really nice documentary about a, a 12-year-old kid named Mohammed uh, who came from Iraq to get life-changing surgery. Uh, so I did, I did these really serious, serious, you know, subjects for years. And finally, I just said, you know, I want to do some fun stuff for a change. On his own time, Hale began to run with that idea he came up with sitting around a table with his friends. He started researching the fart. It's a lot deeper than you think. I have, before I started making the film, I did research on it. I had a 95-page Word document just full of stuff, and a lot of stuff never even made the film. There's so much to learn because farts are universal. You get this. We all do it. There are fart jokes in Greek plays, in the Canterbury Tales, in Shakespeare. They've been making us laugh basically forever. The humor of the fart kind of goes across cultures and languages and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a common thing that human beings have in common. <laughs> I know we're getting deep into this and it's just about farting, but <laughs> but it is that it's a it's a common humor that we all share. That's right. They can bring us joy and of course they can really embarrass us too. I mean it, like if somebody does it like and and you're around them, everybody kind of makes fun of them a little bit, right? And if you're in the middle of a professional presentation and you do that, you're mortified that, that that happened to you. So there is something about that. It's something that's hilarious that we repress. Part of the purpose of Fart, a documentary, is to make people realize that farts are okay to laugh at, that they're almost undeniably funny. It seems like our brains are almost wired to chuckle at a fart. It, it's there, There's something about the sound. There's actually a researcher that did research on the sound, and it was with, with, with whoopee cushions. And there's just something about that sound that makes people smile. Besides all this stuff about the universality of farts and the human experience and whatnot, Hale also dug up some fascinating pieces of history, for example. Uh, and there's some, there, there's some historical stuff. Um, uh, Joseph Pujol was a, uh, a fart artist in the late 1800s, and he was in the Moulin Rouge, and it, it was said to be like one of the funniest shows in the world, and he was one of the uh, like superstars of his time. He was, you know, uh, you know, people knew about him and they don't know so much about him now, but one of the stories about that is they were in the theater and they would have nurses in the, in the rows of the theater because people were laughing so hard that they had to be carried out of there. Um, and I think it was a lot of, you know, women with their corsets at the time, they were really, you know, they were really tight anyway, so people were passing out <laughs> because it was so funny. That little story is just one of many in Fart, a documentary that proved the history of these things. They have a certain kind of power, and they are immensely funny, dangerously funny. Can you imagine being carted away by a nurse because you were laughing too hard? I don't think anything has ever made me laugh like that. Fart was a side project for Troy, separate from his normal work, researched on the side during his free time. The experience, however, was invaluable for his students who now get to ask him how a film gets made, how it's done. One of the reasons I also want to do it this way was I have a lot of my film students that ask me, how do I make money making a film? Well, I didn't have that answer because I was always hired to make something. So there was a company that said, okay, we need you to make this or, or whatever it was. So I didn't have that answer on like, okay, I made something that's mine. How do I now sell it? Hale did sell it. 
His side project came to fruition, and it's actually sort of taken off. A feature-length documentary film that's one of a kind. All from a conversation with friends laughing around a table. You can find the movie on Vimeo, Google, iTunes, or Amazon Prime. Hale hopes the film opens up the conversation about farts. Because inside, maybe we do really want to talk about them. I don't know. Uh, the thing is, we don't talk about this at all. And I, and I was saying one thing when I was pitching the film. I'm like, you know, I want people to have a conversation about this. Like, I want people leaving, like, the theater or leaving, you know, watching the film and going and having a drink or having dinner and, like, talking about this. Uh, and I think that's what, you know... <laughs> It's not, it's not that serious. I, I feel like a, I feel like I'm on NPR now, <laughs> and I'm like, let me tell you about the seriousness of farts, and we should be talking about it. No, it, it it's just it it opens you up and it allows you to have a conversation about something that you, you're normally embarrassed about, and uh, and you can you can laugh at yourself and you can laugh at other people, and, and you know that that's the fun part about it. The fun part for me was talking to my friends and just we were cracking up for two hours, and I was like, I hope my film allows people to start getting into that conversation. back. I'm your host, Cole Tunningly, and you're tuned in to 88.9 FM, listening to The Undercurrent, our premier news and storytelling podcast. And I would like to give a special thank you to our general manager, Jeremy Whiting, our station manager, Olive Mitchell, and our program director, Simon Ferenzi. Thank you also to Professor Hale and Megan Davis for appearing on this episode, and thanks to Sophie Sagan for the work you put into it. And most of all, thank you, the listener. You're great. You're probably beautiful. You're probably doing very well in life, and I am probably very proud of you. Thank you for continuing, continuing doing what you're doing and continuing listening to our lovely program. For that, I can't thank you enough. And if you want to just tune in every week to the part of the show where I compliment you and thank you endlessly, that's fine. All I want is someone to hear me. Someone to recognize that I'm talking, to nod back at me and say, yes, I am beautiful, I am great, and I am listening to your show, The Undercurrent. That's all I want. I'll be here same time, same place, next week. Have a good one. leader of men, Willie, and neither are you. You were never anything but a hard-working drummer who landed in the ash can like all the rest of them. I'm one dollar an hour, Willie. I tried seven states and couldn't raise it. A buck an hour, do you gather my meaning? I'm not bringing home any prizes anymore, and you're going to stop waiting for me to bring them home. Vengeful, spiteful, laugh, I'm nothing. I'm nothing, Pop. Can't you understand that? There's no spite in it anymore. I'm just what I am, <laughs> that's all. Yeah.